All right, well, we're there in uh, James uh, chapter number five, and there's a word that comes up uh, throughout this chapter a little bit that I want to bring your attention to. Uh, I'd ask you to pray for me. <clears throat> I feel like I'm losing my voice, and I feel like I've been saying that a lot lately, which is really kind of upsetting me, but uh, I, I need to uh, try to make it through this sermon, so I'm going to do my best, and if I lose my voice, then we'll just get to the cake and ice cream, I guess. But um, if, if you look at James chapter five, I want you to look down at verse number seven. The Bible says, be, and I want you to notice this word, patient. You see that word, patient? We've been studying on Sunday nights, uh, starting from the beginning of the year till now, we've been going through a series that's titled, Words That Will Change Your Life. And we've been kind of studying different words. Uh, this is, next week will be the last sermon in this series, and then we, we'll, we'll do the Striving Together class, and then we'll move on uh, to a brand new series. But tonight, I want to deal with the subject of patience. I want to talk about Patience, that's the word for tonight we're going to be looking at. Notice verse 7. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath, notice these words, long patience for it until he receive the early and latter rain. Notice verse 8. Be ye also patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. Take my brethren, the prophets, who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example, notice these words, of suffering, affliction, and of patience. You see that? Behold, we count them happy which, here's a synonym for the word patience, which count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job, and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. I'd like you to go with me to the book of Job. We, we see here in this passage, we talk about the patience of Job. Who's ever uh, heard that phrase before? Oh, you've got the patience of Job. Normally people say that about someone who's extremely patient. And I want to give you tonight uh, just uh, three statements in regards to what patience is. And, and uh, let me... While you turn to the book of Job, if you open up your Bible right in the center, you're more than likely found the book of Psalms. Right before Psalms, you've got the book of Job. While you go there, let me read for you the dictionary definition of the word patience. The dictionary says this, the ability to bear provocation, annoyance, misfortune, or pain without complaint, loss of temper, irritation, or the like. It means to persevere. Uh, a biblical definition, and you, don't, you, you turn to the book of Job, but you don't have to turn to these passages. If you want to write them down, I'd encourage you to take notes. Uh, you're already here. You might as well try to learn something, right? And uh, let me give you some, some words, some synonyms that God uses for the word patience. In Luke 18, 7, he uses these words, bear long. He says, and shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them. And God uses that, those words, bear long. In another passage, he uses the word patience. So we see the, the biblical definition of patience is to bear long. In Romans 2, 7, the Bible says them, to them whom by patient continuance, patient continuance and well-doing, seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. In Romans 8, 25, the Bible says, but if we hope for that we see not, then, then do we with patience, I want you to notice this word, I know I'm reading for you, it says wait for it, wait is a word that defines patience, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 says charity suffereth long, that's another synonym for patience, uh, long suffering or suffereth long and is kind, charity envieth not, charity vaunteth not itself is not puffed up, 2 Corinthians 6, 6 says this, by pureness 
by knowledge, by long-suffering. That, again, a word that describes patience, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love unfeigned. 2 Thessalonians 3.5 says, And the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patient waiting for Christ. Notice how these words are often connected. Waiting, wait, patient. Hebrews 6.15 says, And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. So I want you to notice, these are the words that God uses. Bear long. Uh, patient continuance, patience waiting, patient wait, suffereth long, long suffering, endure, endureth. These are the synonyms of the idea of patience. Patience is the ability to bear long, provocation, annoyance, misfortune, pain, without complaint, loss of temper, irritation, or the like. And, and here's the thing. You and I, we know what the word patient means. I mean, I think we all... You know, at times we all struggle with patience. There's some of us that maybe are a little more patient than others. And let me just go ahead and take an informal survey right now if you feel comfortable. But who would say, you know, I struggle with patience? I mean, I think a lot of us do. Who would say, I've got the patience of Job? I mean, who says, okay. Now, of, of, of those of you that raise your hand, what spouse agrees with that? You know, you know Ms. Hagler, you agree with that? All right, Brother Lance, there you go. Good. You can, you can leave, all right? You don't need this. No, I'm just kidding. Don't leave. Don't leave. Um, but I want you to notice there in James 5.11, and you turn to Job. Let me read for, read for you out of James 5.11. The Bible says, it says, Behold, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job. All right? So the Job is given to us as an example of patience. And tonight, like I said, I want to give you three statements that kind of describe what does it mean to be patient? What does it mean to, to have uh, patience? And what I want you to notice there in, in the story of Job, are you in the book of Job? Job chapter number 1. I'm not going to take the time to read the entire thing, but here's what I want you to notice. In verse 1 of Job chapter 1, the Bible says that he was a man that was perfect and upright and one that feared God and eschewed evil. Job was a good man. In verse 2, we're told that there were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. Not only was Job a good man, but Job was a blessed man. In verse number 3, the Bible tells us this. It tells us about his riches, his substance. The Bible tells us, was 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 she-asses, a very great household, is what the Bible says. The, this man was the greatest of all the men in the East. So not only was Job a good man, Job was a blessed man. He had uh, seven sons and three daughters, and he was a rich man. He had a lot of money, great, uh, a very great household. He had a lot of substance. He was the greatest of all the men in the East. But Job, as you know, went through trials. And we know the story. I don't want to spend a lot of time in it. But notice in verse number 14 and 15, the Bible says this. Job gets a series of bad news. And in verse 14 and 15, the Bible says, The oxen were plowing, and the asses, and the Sabians fell upon them. And we have a messenger that comes to Job, and he says that they have slain the servants with the edge of the sword. They took the oxes, they took the, the, the asses, and the messenger says, I only am escaped alone to tell thee. So you get one you know, messenger coming to Job saying, hey, you lost all of these uh, oxen, you lost all of these asses, and you 
lost all of the servants that were uh, caring for them, and I'm the only one that's left alone to tell thee. In verse number 16, you get the second series of bad news. Notice in verse 16, you've got a servant that comes to Job, and notice that the Bible says, while he was yet speaking, okay? So he's not even done getting the bad news. The, the first servant is still telling him the story of what happened. And the Bible says, while he was yet speaking, here comes this other servant. And he says, the fire of God has fallen from heaven. And it burned up the sheep and the servants. And notice what he says at the end of verse 16. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. Notice in verse number 17, you get the third series of bad news. The Bible says again, while he was yet speaking, he comes and he tells them, the Chaldeans made out three bands and, and fell upon the camels, carried them away, and, his, and slain the servants. And notice what he says at the end, I only am escaped alone to tell thee. And in then verses 18 and 19, he gets the fourth set of bad news, and it's the worst set of bad news. Notice verse 18, while he was yet speaking, the servant goes on to say, thy sons and thy daughters were eating and drinking wine. There came a great wind from the wilderness, smote the house, they're dead, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. In a matter of minutes, it could have been, four different messengers come to Job and they say, you've lost all your oxen, you've lost all your asses, you've lost all the servants that were there. And while he's yet speaking, another comes and says, hey, they've taken the sheep and they've killed the servants. And while he's yet speaking, another comes and says, the Chaldeans came and they took the camels, they carried them away, they, they've slain the servants. And while he's yet speaking, another servant comes and says, all your children are dead. And everything that Job, you know, had in possessions and everything he had with, with his children was taken from him in that series of messengers that come. But I want you to notice what's interesting and what's highlighted in the story of Job when we look at this trial that Job goes through. Look at verse number 20, Job chapter number 1. And I apologize for my voice. I feel like I'm, I'm struggling to, to be heard. I'm sorry if you have to... If it, you have to endure that, but look at verse 20, Job 1.20. Then Job arose <clears throat> and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshipped. Now, in the Bible times and in the Bible context, this is how men mourned and this is how people mourned in those days. They would rent their clothes, they'd shave their head. He fell down upon the ground. He did this, this is interesting, he worshipped. Look at verse 21. And said, of course, we got the great statements that Job made. He said, naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return hither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. But I want you to notice in verse 22, here's the key. You say, well, what does this have to do with the patience of Job? Because all of this happened to Job. Job didn't have the, uh, he, it's not like he signed up for this. It's not like he said, hey, let me show you how great of a Christian I am. You come and tell me all these bad news. But here's where we see the patience of Job, verse 22. In all this, Job, notice, sinned not. You say, well, that's what Job is known for, right? He went through all these trials, went through all these heartaches. He sinned not. But how did he sin not? Notice, nor, notice this word, charged. Nor charged God foolishly. The word charge means to accuse. You know, you hear of somebody, they've been charged with a crime. They've been accused of a crime. The Bible says that Job did not charge God foolishly. And here's what you need to understand. Patience does not mean to endure affliction. Patience means to endure affliction without complaining. When you ask the question, what does it mean to be patient? 
What does it mean to live a life of patience? What did it mean in the life of Job to be patient? It did not mean that he endured a trial. Because here's the thing. If you get cancer, here's the thing. If you lose your job, here's the thing. If you lose your marriage, here's the thing. If you lose your children, you're going to endure it whether you like it or not. I mean, unless you end up taking your own life, you're going to go through that bankruptcy. You're going to go through that divorce. You're going to go through that heartache. Going through affliction and trials doesn't mean you're patient because you don't get a choice. And I don't get a choice. We don't sign up for trials. But here's what defines patience when we endure a trial without complaining. When we endure a trial without charging God foolishly. When we endure a trial without sinning with our mouth and with our lips. See, you say, well, the patience of Job, what does that mean? Number one, and I'd like you to write this down. Patience means to endure without complaining. To endure without whining. To endure without murmuring. To endure, and this is a theme in the life of Job. Notice chapter 2. In chapter 2, and I won't take the time to develop it, but in chapter 2, you, you, you find that the story continues. Job did not charge God foolishly. Satan says to God, well, you know, if you, if you hurt his body, he'll, he'll curse your name. And let's just pick up in verse number 7. Notice what it says. So, when Satan, uh, so went Satan forth from the presence of the Lord and smote Job with sore boils from the sole of his foot unto his crown. So Satan gets permission from God to give uh, Job this, this uh, physical ailment. And, and by the way, that ought, to, that ought to comfort us knowing that Satan has to get permission from God to do anything to us. Everything is filtered through God. Anything you're going through, any trial you're going through, God knows it. God allowed it, and God's working in it. Notice verse 8. And he took him a pot shirt to scrape himself with all, and he sat down among the ashes and said, then said his wife unto him. Now notice what his wife says. Does thou still retain that integrity? She's upset. And by the way, you know, before we beat up on Job's wife too much, realize that she just lost everything too. She just lost all her finances too. And she just lost all her children as well. And she's struggling with this, and she's, she's, she's not dealing with it as well as Job is. But notice what she says. She, verse 9, then said his wife unto him, does thou still retain that integrity? And notice what she tempts him to do. She says, curse God and die. She's tempting him to sin with his mouth. She's telling him, why don't you just curse God? Why don't you just complain? Why don't you just charge God foolishly? Why don't you sin? She's not telling him, go get drunk. She's not telling him, give up on God. She's not telling him, go get high somewhere. She's saying, why don't you sin with your mouth? Why don't you curse God and die? Notice verse 10. But see, he said unto her, thou, notice, notice the emphasis, thou speakest. The emphasis is on words. Thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. The emphasis is on the words. What? Shall we receive good at the hand of God? And shall we not receive evil? In all this did not Job sin with his, what's that say? Lips. See, what's the patience of Job? Here's the patience of Job that you endure without complaining. What does it mean to be patient? Here's what it means to be patient. You endure the trial. You endure the affliction. You go through the heartache. You go through the hard time, but you don't whine. You don't complain. You don't charge God foolishly. You close your mouth and you say, you know what? God's been good to me, and sometimes we receive good, and sometimes we receive bad, and I came into this world with nothing. Naked came I into this world. He said, naked shall I return. He said, the Lord giveth, the Lord bless, uh, the, the Lord taketh away. He said, blessed be the name of the Lord. He said, it's God's life to do what he'd like to do with it anyway. 
God gave me those children. God gave me those finances. God gave me that income. God gave me that health. And if God wants to take it away, that's his decision. And here's what you got to understand. What does it mean to be patient? Here's what it means, to endure without complaining. To endure without complaining. Can you go back to the book of James? James chapter number 5. Go back to James chapter 5. This is, the, this is the definition that God gives us of patience. See, we think patience is, 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 is waiting, you know, uh, at the drive-thru more than three minutes and not getting mad and yelling at the, at the person on the drive-thru. And, and, that, and that's patience. But, you know, real patience is this, enduring, long-suffering, without charging God foolishly, without complaining. Without getting upset. Are you there in James? Go back to James chapter 5. Look, notice what he says in verse number 8. Be ye also patient. Establish your hearts. For the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Grudge not one against another. He said don't, hold, don't, don't fight with each other. What happens when we get impatient? We start fighting with each other. He says grudge not one against another brethren. Lest you be condemned. Behold the judge standing before the door. He says take my brethren the prophets. Who have spoken in the name of the Lord. For in, notice these words, an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. What does it mean to be patient? To suffer affliction. What does it mean to be patient? To go through trials. Go to James chapter number 1. You're there in chapter 5. Flip a couple of pages backwards to James chapter number 1. <clears throat> James chapter 1, look at verse number 2. Notice what he says. James chapter 1, verse, verse 2. He says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. You say, well, why would you count it joy when you fall into temptations? Knowing this. He's like, here's why you ought to count it joy when things go wrong. Here's why you ought to count it joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Knowing this, notice what he says, that the trying of your faith worketh, what, what's that say? Patience. The trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect, the entire wanting nothing. Go to the book of Romans, Romans chapter number 5. You got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Romans chapter 5. You find this all throughout the Bible. And let me just show you. There's so many places I could, have, I could go to, but let me just show you the one in Romans, and we'll, we'll, we'll go on to a different definition. Romans chapter 5, and look at verse number 3. Romans chapter 5 and verse number 3. Romans chapter 5 and verse 3. And not only so, this is what Paul said, but we glory in tribulations. That's like what James was saying. He said, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. He says, we glory in tribulation. Paul says, when things go wrong, when they arrest me, when they beat me, when they persecute me, he said, I glory in that. He said, I, 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 I love that. He said, we glory in tribulation also, knowing this, that tribulation worketh patience. See, when you're going through a trial, when you're going through a struggle, when things are falling apart, when things aren't going well, and you think, good night, the whole world's coming to an end, you know, I mean, my whole life's falling apart. Hey, realize that this is an opportunity to begin to work on your patience. Realize that this is an opportunity to say, I can go through this trial and not charge God foolishly. I can go through this season and not sin with my lips, not complain, not whine, and begin to allow this trial, this tribulation, to work patience in me. He says, and not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. 
And he says, hope maketh not ashamed. So what's the first lesson we can learn about patience? What does it mean to be patient? Well, number one, patience means to endure without complaining. Let me give you another definition, because God uses the word patient differently throughout the Bible. Let me give you another definition. Go to the book of Hebrews. I don't know, I don't know if I told you to keep your place in James. I meant to, but I don't think I did. But if you can find James right before the book of James, you got the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter number 12, and look at verse number 1, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. God uses this word patience differently throughout the Bible, and the first way he uses it is to tell us to endure without complaining. Hebrews chapter 12, notice verse number 1. This is a well-known verse in the Bible. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. The Bible says, Wherefore, seeing we are also, we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, he says, Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with, notice this word, patience. Is that word patience? Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. See, God defines patience as enduring without complaining, but God also defines patience as persevering without waning. And you may say, what's that word waning mean? But that, that's really, that, that word wane is, is the right word. The word wane means to decrease in strength or intensity, to lose steam. And here's how God tells us to, he uses the word patient. He says, run with patience, the race. That is set before us. We won't do it tonight, but if we wanted to, we could sit down and start naming the names of people that came to this church and got on fire for God and started showing up on Sunday morning and started showing up on Sunday night and started showing up on Wednesday night and they even started going soul winning and maybe started serving in certain areas and they started helping. I mean, over the last five years that our church has existed, I could give you name after name after name after name. I'm not talking about people that showed up for one service and checked us out and didn't come back. I'm talking about people that showed up and made this their church home, called this their church, called me their pastor, got here, stayed here and today they're nowhere to be found they may show up every once in a while they may show up at once every three months they may show up if i write them a nice note and i say hey we're having an easter service we'd love to see your face you know they may show up for those things but they're not here and you say well why why is that it's because of one word they did not have patience see it takes patience to run the christian run it takes patience to finish your course See, the, the, the Christian life is not measured by months or weeks or years. It's measured by decades. Amen. I'm not trying to serve God for five years. I want to serve God for the rest of my life. But here's the problem with the Christian life. Sometimes, sometimes it can get a little hard. And sometimes it can get a little tiring. Sometimes I will sit and I will lay in bed on a Sunday night and I'll kind of reach over and grab my my, my wife's uh, hand, and I'll kind of squeeze her hand, and, and she'll say, what's wrong? And, and I'll say, do you realize that i got to preach three sermons every week for the rest of my life? <laughs> That's a scary thought. I mean, I don't have to think about Wednesday and Sunday and Sunday night. 
not just one week. I'm, I'm not just 52 weeks. I mean, we're, we're talking, I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a young man. I'm 30 years old. You know, good night. How, how long am I going to live? I don't know. Maybe that's why I need to drink more of those Cokes. God, even so, come Lord quickly, you know. But, uh, you know, for the rest of my life, and, and, you know, and they better be good. They better be interesting. They better be funny. They better be dynamic. And they better, you know, or else we're going to get bored and go somewhere else. And here's the thing. Sometimes when you think, I'm going to go soul winning for the rest of my life. I'm going to usher for the rest of my life. I'm going I'm to do this for the rest of my life. Hey, it takes patience to say, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to wane. I'm not going to lose steam. I'm going to maintain intensity. I'm going to keep going. He says, but let us run uh, with patience the race that is set before us. See, are you going to be the type of Christian that sticks through this thing and makes it to the end? Are you going to give it a good run for five years, good run for seven years, good run for ten years, and then kind of get bored and go do something else? See, if you want to be like the Apostle Paul, you're going to have to learn this word, patience. Patience. Go to the book of Acts, Acts chapter number 20. You got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. You were just in Romans right before Romans. You got the book of Acts. Acts chapter number 20. Look at verse number 24. Our church is about five years old. Here's what I figure. At the six-year mark, I can just start preaching all the sermons from the first Sunday and going forward, and you, you guys wouldn't even know it. So that, that would, maybe that's what we'll do. I don't know. Acts chapter 20. I'm just kidding. I don't do that. Acts chapter 20. Look at verse 24. Notice what the Apostle Paul says. He says, but none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself so that I might, notice what he says, so that I might finish my course. Now, I want you to understand this. Here's the key to patience. It's not, I want to finish my course. Because here's the thing, I, I don't want to just finish my course. I, I don't want to get one day to, to be a 60-year-old pastor, and I'm just grumpy and mad. And I, you guys, some of you think, well, you're grumpy now. I, no, I'm not. Okay, but look, you know, I, I don't want to get mad and just, just, just get to the end, and I'm just kind of upset. I'm just kind of ready to die. Because here's what he said. Notice what he says. He says, but none of these things move me. He's talking about tribulations. He's talking about trials. He's talking about heartaches. He says, but none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course. Here's patience with joy. You see that? How do you get to the end of a ministry? How do you get to the end of a life? How do you get to the end of 35 years of marriage, 40 years of marriage? How do you get there with joy? How do you get the end of a pastorate with joy? How do you get the end of a life where you've denied self, where you put others first and you put God first, and you didn't go on the expensive vacations, and you didn't live your life for self. You denied yourself. You took up your cross. You followed Jesus with your life, not for a few weeks or a few months or a few years, but for decade after decade after decade. How do you get there with joy? It's one word. Patience. Patience. Just saying, I'm going to persevere without waning. I'm going to persevere without losing steam, without losing intensity, without losing uh, uh, the, the strength that I need. See, patience means, number one, to endure without complaining. And it means, number two, to endure without waning. Go, go to 2 Timothy chapter number 4. 2 Timothy, if you can find those T-books. Uh, they're all clustered together, First and Second Thessalonians, First and Second Timothy, Titus. And by the way, anything you want to finish, you need patience. You want to get a college degree? Better have some patience. You want to start that business? Get some patience. Anything you're, you're starting out, it's easy to start things, but it's very difficult to finish things and to finish 
uh, the end. The Bible says in the book of Ecclesiastes that better is the end of a thing than the beginning of it. it better is the, the end of a life than the beginning of it. Why? Because it's easy to start, but it's not easy to finish. Are you there in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4? 2 Timothy chapter 4, look at verse number 6. <clears throat> 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 6. The Bible says, for I am now ready. This is the Apostle Paul speaking right before he, he dies. He says, for I am now ready to be offered. And the time of my departure is at hand. He says, I have fought a good fight. Notice these words. He says, I have finished my course. He said, I, I finished. I got to the finish line. How did he get there? With patience. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love is appearing. See, number one, what does it mean to be patient? Number one, it means to endure without complaining. Number two, it means to persevere without waning. Let me give you the third, the third point. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. You're there in 2 Timothy, so you're right close to it. Just uh, flip a few pages forward. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I appreciate your patience with my voice. I, I feel like <clears throat> I'm struggling to, to be heard. But uh, we'll be fine. We'll finish up here in a second. First Thessalonians chapter 5. Why don't you notice verse 14? Notice what the Bible says. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly. Comfort the feeble-minded. Support the weak. And then he says this. Be Patient toward all men. See, number one, patience means to endure without complaining. Number two, patience means to persevere without waning. Number three, patient mean, patience means to invest in others without fretting. And I just, I couldn't think of a better word than fretting, but what, what does the word fretting mean? It means to feel or express worry, unknowings, discontent. It means to get frustrated. And the Bible tells us that we are to be patient towards all men. And our job as Christians is to invest into others. Paul said that our job is to teach others also and to train others. The, the Great Commission is to reach people and disciple them, to reach people and to teach them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. But here's the problem with training is that it requires a whole lot of patience. Dealing with people requires patience. And Paul tells us here in 1 Thessalonians, he says, be patient towards all men. Go to Second uh, Timothy chapter 4. You're there in 1 Thessalonians 5. Uh, flip a few pages back into Timothy. They're all right there close to each other. Second Timothy chapter 4. Notice what the Apostle Paul says to pastors. He says to preachers. He says to future spiritual leaders. Second Timothy chapter 4 and verse 2. He says, preach the word. Preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort. And he says this, with all long suffering. He says, be patient about it. He says, when you're dealing with people, be patient. Be long suffering and doctrine. See, here's what you got to understand. Whenever you're training, whenever you're investing, whenever you're dealing with someone, you have to learn to be patient. And I want to encourage you, you know, be patient with those that you are investing into. You say, well, I'm not, I'm not a pastor, but hopefully you are investing your life into someone. You know, someone said it like this. In the Bible, you have the Apostle Paul who had taken Timothy under his wing. And the Apostle Paul was investing into Timothy. The Apostle Paul was training Timothy. And somebody said it like this. We all should have an Apostle Paul and we all should have a Timothy. 
You should be a Timothy to someone. And you should be a Paul to someone. You should have someone that's training you and investing in you. And then you should have someone you're training and you're praying for and you're investing in. But let me tell you something. Before you go find a Timothy, just realize this. Dealing with people requires patience. Requires long-suffering. Some of you have trained in your work environment. Maybe you're a manager. You're, you train people. And you realize, here's the thing about training. It's easier to do it yourself. Sometimes it's easier and faster and less frustrating to just do it yourself. You ever try to get your kids to do something? Trying to teach them to make their bed or take the trash out or, or you know, uh, mow the lawn or whatever. And sometimes it's just, give me that. Let me just get that out. Just go away. Go away. Yeah. It's just easier to do it yourself. Because you can get frustrated, because it's frustrating. You fret when you train others. But when you're patient, hey, be patient towards all men. Long-suffering. Hey, be patient with new believers. Be patient with new believers. Be patient with unbelievers. And, and you know, let me go ahead and say this. And pa- Pastor Anderson was just here on Thursday night. He preached a wonderful uh, sermon. Now, wasn't that a, a great uh, truth that he was teaching about using the right words and using spiritual words? And listen, you and I, as Christians and mature Christians, we need to learn to use God's words. And we need to use, learn to use what the Bible says and say believed and say saved and say those things. But let me go ahead and, and make this statement. Don't jump all over the case of some new believer because they said, I accepted Jesus into my heart. Well, that's not a Bible term. Because they said, I gave my life to, to Jesus. Hey, look, don't, don't get all mad and say, well, don't you know that's not a Bible word? <laughs> hey, look, we need to grow and we need to mature, but we need to be patient with new believers, with unbelievers. People are going to walk in here and say all sorts of dumb things. And by the way, some of you walked in here and said a bunch of dumb things. And nobody jumped all over you. Nobody, got, nobody embarrassed you. Nobody humiliated you. We need to be long-suffering. With people, because look, new Christians can be frustrating. Let me show you why. You say, why did the Apostle Paul tell Timothy to be long-suffering in ministry? Here's why I told him. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 3 and look at verse number 6. 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 6. 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 6. Notice what the Bible says. 1 Timothy 3, 6. These are qualifications of a pastor, but notice what he says. He says, not a novice... Now, a novice, what the word novice means is you're a newbie. You're a new guy. You just got there. You're new. He says, not a novice. He says, don't make a new Christian a leader. He says, not a novice. Why? Lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Here's the problem with new Christians that begin to grow and learn and understand is a lot of them get filled with pride. And that can be really frustrating. You know, there's nothing more frustrating in the world I've, I've, been, uh, I've been soul winning my whole life. I, uh, that's all I've ever, uh, uh, before, you know, as far as I can remember. My mom and dad are sitting here. You can ask my, my parents. I, I mean, since I was able to walk, I think I've been out soul winning with my dad. And, and uh, I remember the first time I gave the gospel to anybody, I was seven years old. First time I gave gospel to a stranger at the door. I'm not saying I did a good job. I probably should have even done it, but I, I did it. But I'll tell you this. Since I was 13 years old, I've been speaking at the door. Since I was 13 years old, I've been uh, you know, the, the speaker. And, and I remember even in our, in our church back when I was 13 years old, I would, adult grown men would be out sewing with me, and they were the silent partner, and I was the speaker because I just had more experience than they did. And, and that says a lot about them. They were humble enough to accept that, and, and I praise the Lord for that. I've been speaking, and, I, and when I'm talking about sewing, I'm talking about I've been out soul winning, you know, every week of my life. I mean, maybe, maybe missed a week here or there uh, uh, for 
for sickness or something like that. But I mean, basically, since I was 13 years old, I've been soul winning every week, you know, and I'm 30 years old now. What, what is that, 17 years of soul winning? My wife, my wife has been soul winning. She got saved at 17 years old. She's been soul winning since 17 years. The first time my wife gave the gospel at the door, she'd been saved for three weeks. She went soul winning with my sister, and my sister said, you've been saved for three weeks now? Time for you to give the gospel. That's why I don't feel that sorry for something. You guys come to this church, you get so spoiled. You get soul winning seminars, you get this, you get all this training. No, but my wife, she, she, uh, she went into that, and, and she's been giving the gospels for uh, you know, since she was 17 years old, and I'm not trying to tell you how old she is, but that's, that's over a decade of soul winning, you know, 13 years, for those of you who want to know. And here, here's what's funny. I've been soul winning for 17, I've been talking at the door for 17 years. My wife has been talking at the door for 13 years, and we'll get some novice who's been soul winning for six months, or one year, or two years, or three years, and they try to explain to us how we're doing it wrong. And they try to tell us, how, no, 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 this is the way. You got to get the gospel. And that can get so frustrating sometimes. And you just want to say, whack, you know, what are you talking about? You don't even know what you're talking about. You're, you're new at this. You get lifted up with pride. But this is, this is why you have to develop patience with people. Because you'll start dealing, helping with somebody. You got that little boy, that little girl, and you're kind of training them. You're helping them. You're helping them grow. They're going to turn 13 years old, and they're going to think they're smarter than you, mom. You're going to think they're smarter than you, Dad. You hire that employee, Brother Stucky. No, I'm just kidding. Not Brother Stucky. And then he starts running around thinking he knows more than you do. No, I'm just kidding. It's not Brother Stucky. It's Miss JC. No, I'm just kidding. No, it's, not. it's not either one. No, they're good. They're good. It's frustrating to train people. And here's what he says. He says, be patient towards all men. He says, be long-suffering with people. He says, be patient. And by the way, be patient with your children. Be patient with your children. Go to Proverbs 22. Proverbs chapter 22. We're we're almost done. We'll we'll finish up. Don't worry. We'll get the cake and ice cream here soon. Proverbs 22. What does it mean to be patient? It means to endure without complaining. What does it mean to be patient? It means to persevere without waning. What does it mean to be patient? It means to train without fretting. Here's what the Bible defines. Here's how God defines parenting. Proverbs 22, 6. Train. Mom, what is your job with your children? To train. Dad, what is your job with your children? To train. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he shall not depart from it. Your job with with those children that you have, if you have them for 18 years or 20 years or 30 years, whatever, however long you have them, your job is to train. Your job is to disciple them. Your job is to prepare them for the future. But here's the problem with training. It requires a whole lot of patience. Because kids get frustrated. And it's easier to push them aside and say, get out of here. Let me, just, let me just do it. Twice in the Bible, God says this. You don't have to turn there, but Colossians 3.21 says this. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Ephesians 6.4 says, and ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Listen, your kids are just kids. Remember that. They're just children. They're just training. They're going to mess up. They're going to get upset. Don't, don't lose your temper with them. Don't get upset with them. Don't, don't say words that are going to discourage them and hurt them. All I'm trying to explain to you is when it comes to patience, we need to train and invest in new Christians. We need to train and invest in unbelievers. We need to train and invest in our children. We need to invest into those that God has given us maybe a little bit of authority over to try to help them along the way, but we must do it with long suffering. 
What does it mean to be patient? It means to endure without complaining. It means to persevere without waning. It means to train without fretting. See, getting impatient won't make things move along any faster. So why get all worked up? Sometimes I get all upset. I was, uh, uh, I was uh, picking up a pizza for something, one of these activities we were doing. I was picking up a pizza, and I'd been standing there in, in, in line for a while, and the people were just not helping me. They were, they were running around, I think, well, at least acknowledge me when I walk in, you know, and say, it'll be a few minutes. And there's a long line. There's people, you know, behind me, and this little kid walks up. He must have been eight years old. He walks up with a $20 bill, walks up right to the counter, and he says, I'm here to pick up the pizza for and he says some name. You know, his mom, I look outside, his mom's waiting in the car, and she, says, she tells, you know, little Johnny, go in there and pick up the pizza. And I've been sitting there for 15 minutes, and the guy, the guy says, okay, and he grabs his $20 bill, and he grabs the pizza. I said, you're really going to help this kid before you help me? I've been sitting here for 10 minutes. This kid just walked in. I think to myself, he's not even cute. You know what I mean? I mean, if he's a cute kid, you know what I mean? I mean, he's just this little raggedy-looking boy. And, yeah, I get, and, and I started thinking to myself, you know what? I just need to just be patient with these people because we give them a lot of business, and they know who I am. <laughs> you know, We give them a lot of business. They know I'm a pastor. Here's, here's the point. Getting impatient won't make things move along any faster. So why get all worked up? Why get all worked up? Let me give you six things. The six things to help you with patience. You got to write these down. If you, unless your brother Lance, don't worry about it. But everybody else, you got to write these down. Number one, to deal with patience. Number one, develop realistic expectations. Develop realistic expectations. There are only twelve. There are only nine. There are only four. When you train them and you help them develop realistic, they've only been saved for six months. They've only been saved for three years. They don't know what they're talking about. Develop realistic expectations. Number two, realize that setbacks are inevitable and temporary. Realize that setbacks are inevitable. Nothing's ever going to go the way it's planned. I don't care how well you plan. I don't care how well in advance you plan. I don't care if you sit there and brainstorm and think of all the different possibilities. Setbacks are inevitable but temporary. Number three, employ a problem-solving attitude instead of a problem-blaming attitude. We talked about that last week. Taking responsibility for something is not shifting the blame. In, in your life, decide. You know, sometimes you, you get around people and there's a problem and they're more interested in figuring out who's at fault then figuring out a solution for the problem. Don't be that guy. Don't be that gal at work. There's a problem and you're more interested in making sure, well, the boss needs to know that this was not my fault and it was her fault or his fault. Hey, employ a problem-solving attitude instead of a problem-blaming attitude. Number four, avoid bitterness. Avoid bitterness. Those newbies are going to Try to act like they know more than you. Just avoid bitterness. Number five, have faith that you can overcome a difficult situation. Have faith that you can overcome a difficult situation. Number six, be aware of triggers that cause you to become impatient. You know, next time I'm at that pizza place, I see a little kid running in with a dollar bill. I'm just going to think, be careful right here. <laughs> you know, be, be aware of the triggers that cause you to become impatient. And if it's something you can change, take the steps to change it. If not, then adjust your attitude and mindset accordingly. Go to Romans chapter 9. We'll finish up right here. Romans chapter 9. Look at verse 22. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Romans chapter 9, verse 22. Romans 9, 22. Notice what the Bible says. <coughs> Notice <coughs> Romans 9, 22. What if God, what if God, willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, 
endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction. Now, this is talking about people that God has actually created to be destroyed. He's given up on them. But he said that he didn't just start out like that. He said he endured with much long suffering. Go to Romans 15. Look at verse 5. Notice what the Bible says. Romans 15 and verse 5. Romans 15 and verse 5. The Bible says this. Now the God, I want you, you got to underline this phrase in your Bible. Now, underline this. The God of patience. The God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus. One of the attributes of God is that he's a patient God. The Bible says this, be ye holy as I am holy. And the attitude that you and I ought to take is be ye patient as God is patient. You know, here's the truth of the matter. God is patient with you and God is patient with me, so we should be patient with others. God doesn't snap, out, you know, he doesn't get frustrated, he doesn't lose his temper, he doesn't, you know, get all mad and upset, he doesn't just get mad and come down on us. He is a very patient, he is a God of patience, he is patient with us, so we should try to be patient with others. What does that mean? Endure without complaining, persevere without waning, and train without fretting. Let's bow.